Let's talk Scott Talk. Once again, I'm here with Andrea Ball for part two of our conversation. Andrea is the author of Seek God, 40 Days of Intimacy and Growth, a 40-day devotional for those who don't attend church. Hello again, Andrea. Absolutely. In the first part of our conversation, you mentioned that you were very involved in the church. You were part of the praise and ministry or praise and worship team, which calls for real commitment. And you served in other church ministries. So tell me more about your service in the church when you were a part of the church. Okay. Um, so I started off in the choir. Of course, that's like step number one. Um, I was in the praise team. And then it was kind of like spoken word, gospel spoken word. We would write out these scripts. Everyone wrote their own. And then we would go to different churches and perform them. Or, you know, church anniversaries that sort of thing. And um, I was a part of the youth Bible study. And that's it. That, okay, okay. Well, let me ask you this. We know that church has played a pivotal role in society, especially in the black community. Uh, as a matter of fact, our only United States, black United States senator is from the state of Georgia, and he is a pastor. Um, so what do you say to people who might feel that lessening the church church's role in society by not attending church could be setting a dangerous precedent because we're not as involved as we used to be? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm, I say I wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, I don't attend church at the moment but I did grow up in church and I feel like that is the basis for my morality, you know, but if you're, if church isn't, you know, a thing as you're growing up, if you don't even have that foundation to guide you, where are you going to get the, that small voice that says, okay, that's not the right thing to do. This is the wrong thing to do. And that's the thing about scripture. You read it and you bury it in the back of your mind. You bury it in your heart. You hold it in your hand. So when situations arise, you can pull from what you know in your decision-making. But if you don't have that, what do you use to guide you and which way should I go? What should I do? So that would be the purpose of your book, to help people with those morality decisions and, and scriptures that they may not know. So tell me this, what do you think is turning people off from the church? Control. People wanting to control other people, um, feeling like they're being scammed or taken advantage of. You know, I feel like a lot of churches have strayed away from the whole purpose of it. I understand that it is social, but more so it's a hospital. A hospital. So like now when people go to church, it's more of a best dressed, see what's going on with who. They're going looking to find companionship. Sure, it's some people going for the word of God, but a lot of times those people are the ones being taken advantage of. Okay. So do you think watching um, parents go to church and then maybe not doing things that may be morally right could be causing some hypocritical feelings among their kids? Um, 
<clears throat> so my parents never went to church. And to be honest, they didn't want me to go to church. They felt like I stayed in church too long. Uh, so, you know, you have to be introduced to things. But also, after a certain age, I feel like 12 or 13, that's when you start making your own decisions of this is something I want to do, this is what I don't want to do. In spite of what was shown to me, do I want better or do I want to follow in their footsteps? So you kind of have to take some personal accountability for that. Well, in your book, uh, on day 37 in your book, uh, Seek God, you quote First Thessalonians 5.16, Be joyful always. So tell me how you stay joyful and maneuver through life's unexpected challenges around family, relationships, or even challenges on the job. How do you stay joyful? Um, so I always try to practice gratitude. That's something that I, I taught myself more recently that when I get frustrated or aggravated, I just start thanking God. Because if I don't, it'll take me to such a dark place. So instead of me letting myself get upset, get my blood pressure high, because I'm, I'm the type of person, if I get mad, I'll stay mad all day. I'll be mad. <laughs> I will sue over it. So instead of letting myself get to that, I'll just be like, Whew, Lord, I just thank you for what I do have. I thank you for the things that are going right. I'm not going to let these people upset me, you know. Because I used to would just do it and just be mad at everybody and everything the rest of the day. Ah, uh, okay. So how'd you overcome that? Just by all of a sudden saying, okay, let me be grateful and think about what, what's, what's really good in my life? Yes, um... Having gratitude, but also putting boundaries in place and saying no, like I'm not, nope, we're not even doing that. And boundaries looks like not answering the phone, just having hard conversations, telling people, don't ask me that. I don't like when you ask me that. I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable with that. You know. Okay, Paul, who wrote who wrote much of the New Testament, you know, he talked about the thorn in his flesh. And how he wanted God to remove it. And then he kind of settled into living with it. So what would be your advice on, on, on dealing with the thorn in our flesh that all of us have? You know, all of us have something we deal with. So what would be your advice on dealing with uh, something that just seems to just crop up again and again and it just won't go away? Uh, how do you deal with, 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 you mentioned one, anger, which is one. Um, but how would you suggest to people to deal with those situations? Um, for one, you have to identify it. You have to identify it. Like one of my biggest things last year was patience. I am not a patient woman. <laughs> I am not a patient woman at all. But I realized that God wants me to have patience. And I kept getting in these situations where I kept having to be patient. And it was making me so angry. And so I had to stop and realize, like, until you stop fighting this, it's going to keep happening. So, number one, you got to realize it. And you got to you gotta address it. Like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a nerd. So I immediately will Google something. Because sometimes we don't even think we know what it means. So I went and Googled patience. And I'm like, oh, it's not, not waiting. Like, I thought patience was not waiting. Patience is defined as having a positive attitude while you wait. So I'm like, okay okay so what i what can i do to deal with that so if i gotta wait for something i'll do something else while i wait so now i got like my audio book 
I got this, I got that. So if, you know, now when I have to wait for something, I'm like, ooh, I got time to do this or I got time to do that. Instead of being like, and then like now I have an hour and a half commute to work. And so driving through Atlanta traffic used to have me so mad because they drive so crazy and it's stuck. But now I'm like, okay, I expect it. So I'm like, all right, well, I got an hour. So I listen to a 15 minute TED talk. I talk to my girlfriend for 15 minutes. I will work on this because I'm. I know I'm gonna get stuck when I get down by 280. You know, whatever. And just try to find something to occupy my time. Okay, that, that that's good. That's good. So let me ask you this: now, you made a decision. You made a decision. You told me at one time uh, to be celibate, and you said that decision lasted for about a two-year period. So did you accomplish during that celibacy, did it accomplish what you were reaching for? Yes, yes. So <laughs> one of my biggest fears used to be used to be being a single mother. I never wanted to be a single mother. Um, and so I went celibate because I kept having dreams that I was pregnant. So I was like, Psh, I just ain't going to do it, you know. And I was like, I need to just focus on me. I need to get myself together. And in those two years, I wrote my book. You know, I got my new job. I had a lot of stuff going on. I started saving money. I just really got focused on other things. And yeah, I feel like I accomplished the things that I set out to do. So you think that helped you become more focused? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So why did you fear being a single mother? Um, I just always felt like, you know, so I don't have, I know I don't have any support. My sister has two kids and my sister has sickle cell. And it's been times where she's went in the hospital and I lived out of town. And my mom's like, okay, we well, don't have to take them to DHR because I'm not watching kids. It's like that intense. So I, it's like, I know I don't have any support. I know my family's not going to help me at all. And it's a 70% chance that I could be a single mom. So, why would I put myself in that situation? You know, that's going to make life way harder than it has to be. And that's why I haven't had kids yet. That's pretty deep. Sickle cell, that's pretty deep. How how old is your sister? Uh, She'll be 41 this year. We're 11 years apart. Okay. Wow, okay. Well, you've written another book you told me about. Oh, <laughs> logic from a duck. Logic from a duck. <laughs> um, logic from a duck. I was on a date. I was on a date with a guy, and we were waiting on a movie to start, so we ended up going to the park. And I decided to go feed the ducks, and it was like everything was different that day. You know, like it seems like the ducks had sense. Like I went to go get some feed and all the ducks ran off, which is normal. The ducks run from you. But it was one duck that sat there and I was like, oh, he's not gonna run, okay. So I put the quarter in and the food comes out. And of course he's the first one to get it because he's standing here. And it was like, hmm, go where the bread is. So once he starts getting all the bread, all the ducks start running over. And I'm like a little overwhelmed. I'm like, uh, uh. And that same duck is like, what? And I'm like, oh. Well, if you're going to quack, you know, then I'm going to give you some bread. <laughs> so it's like, oh, speak up. And it was like a 15, 20-minute encounter. And I was like, oh, man, this is cool. I'm going to write a book about this. And for forever, 
I had the outline stuck up on my wall. And people would come over and be like, what is this stuff? And I'm like, oh, it's this book I'm working on, you know, whatever. But I feel like it's really cool. Okay, okay. So does it, does it contain some life lessons or, or something like that? Um, I think a couple stories, but nothing major, nothing deep. You know, I was I was relatively young when I came up with it, so which I'm still young now, but you know, I was younger. So I hadn't went through as much as I have now. Describe yourself in three words. Ooh. Ambitious, fun, and loving. Ambitious, fun, and loving. Yes. That's excellent. Okay, ambitious, fun, and loving. Once again, I've been speaking with Andrea Ball, Andrea Ball. Andrea Ball, whose book, Seek God, 40 Days of Intimacy and Growth, is a great book. It's a great 40-day devotional for those who don't attend church. Even if you do attend church, it's a great devotional. And it can be found at Amazon.com, which is where I found it. And your website, um... I saw your website, AndreaTheArthur.com. Is that correct? Yes, it used to be. It's now, uh, I have it listed on Gumroad, Gumroad.com backslash Andrea Ball. Or you can find the link on my other website, BallCorporateEvents.com, in my resource library. BallCorporateEvents.com. Okay. So you can be found. Her books can be found. And once again, Andrea, thank you so much for your time and the conversation. Thank you for having me, Scott. Let's talk. Scott talks.